This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a looper in the left center field. This is going to get down for a base hit. Here comes Phillips. He will score the tying run. In the third goes Rosarena. It's an 8-8 to game, and the Rays have the winning run 90 feet away. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him, line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag. He turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our latest show. Today we sit down with Brandon Lau and discuss the great work he does off the field as we kick off Mental Health Awareness Month. We'll chat about the weekend by with Doug Wechter. Tyler Zombro will discuss his amazing comeback. Plus, we will remember the late Rays bullpen catcher Gene Ramirez with his mom Tony and dad Carlos, as well as with good friend Manny Navarro of the Rays. Well, we continue on this week in Rays baseball, and our feature guest is one of the key parts of this 2022 Rays team, and that's Brandon Lau. Brandon, we certainly appreciate some time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. You do so much good on the field, but I think what I want to at least start with is how much good you do off the field with your Home Runs for Hope program. What does that program mean to you? I mean, it, it, it honestly means the world to me. It's, um, honestly, before, I think, what, what year was it? 2017, the idea really didn't you know stand out to be, to be, to be real honest with you. And then um, my uncle ended up taking his own life, and that really became a, uh, a front-running, front like, issue for for myself and you know my family to uh really try to get that stigma you know out of out of the public eye and you know if things aren't going great or you know you're, you're feeling a little bit down you know make sure you go out and you get some help and really from 2017 and you know obviously for as long as that I, I can keep playing it'll it'll keep being one of the things that i really uh you know really try to work with and I appreciate, A, that what you're doing, and also, B, that you're willing to share, because I think that just speaks to making it as normal as possible. Yeah, definitely. I think um, when it first happened, I, I think you know, I, I kind of fell victim to the same thing that a lot of people that are struggling with mental health issues you know, do struggle with. I didn't want to tell anybody. I, I didn't want to bring anyone down, and you know, I didn't want to bring the stigma out to, you know, my mom and stuff like that people that were really really closely affected by it i was like you know what? i'm just gonna keep it hidden not really talk about it and anything like that and as i kind of progressed through the through the ranks you know i made it up to the big leagues i understood what my platform could do and i realized that it was something that i never should have kind of pushed down and kept quiet you know i should have been very vocal about it and understood you know kind of how many people are actually affected by you know stuff like this and not not even on a huge scale or a smaller scale or maybe a bigger scale than you know what had happened and it's just really trying to make sure people are okay and willing to talk about it because there is there is absolutely no problem with going coming out and you know being vocal about that and i think again it's awesome and part of the reason we're having this discussion is because we're starting off the month of may and it is mental health awareness month too which i mean i hope it's a huge month for you on the field because you you can even expand that platform even more yeah, you know, especially 
you know, with the um, platform and how we use Home Runs for Hope, obviously I wish that I could go out there and hit, you know, 100 home runs and maybe, like, I'd love for it to get talked about every single day and, you know, this is what we're doing, this is, you know, what's going on, but, you know, that's not the reality. I'm not going to hit a home run every day. But to be able to bring awareness in any aspect of it, you know, hopefully it is a good month and we can really bring it to the forefront. And, you know, if it makes one person come out and talk about it, you know, call and get some help, you know, it's all worth it. And obviously, again, the, the donations go to the crisis center of Tampa Bay right here in our market. But this month also, too, is because it's Mental Health Awareness Month, you guys are honoring Gina Ramirez, and you're doing so with special cleats as well. Let's touch on Gina as a person. What made him special? Because he connected with almost everyone in that clubhouse. Yeah, I think, you know, whether it was native Spanish speaker or native English speaker, you know, that person immediately felt like Gene was was family to them. You know, he, he kind of went out of his way to make sure that, you know, whether you were new or not, that you were going to be comfortable with the team, that he was going to do whatever he could to, you know, make you comfortable with with everybody in the locker room. If, you, you know, you wanted to talk to somebody that didn't speak very good English, you know, Gene was somebody that you could come up to and, you know, hey, please help me out. And, you know, he didn't have to do that. That wasn't in his job description. It was just kind of the person that he was. He wanted everybody to be close with each other and wanted everybody to be like family. And quite the artist too, right? Yeah. Uh, something that I don't think anybody really realized until I think we got Nelson Cruz on the team. And then, you know, Nelson started getting these hand-painted cleats in like a day. And we finally asked him what was up and told us that Gene did the cleats. So, I mean, that was that was a pretty quick uh, run, it, run and find Gene real fast and see what we can do and what we could put together. And you're auctioning off a pair of cleats to help with this during the course of the month. Describe the cleats for our fans who may not have seen them. Yeah, I mean, they're they're not the most special cleats that he had made me, but they're honestly probably one of the cleats that I've I've wear the most especially now that we wear our light blue jerseys quite a bit um they're my custom cleat that i've made with under armor and then kind of gave him free reign i was like you know what i want to wear these with i think at the time we wore a light blue jersey very rarely but you know when we wore a light blue jersey i was like i want something to wear the light blue and he really simply just went in painted some spots that were white to the light blue and i i Loved them, honestly, and, you know, they're some of my favorite cleats. I wear them a ton this year, so they're, they're definitely going to be hard to part with, but, you know, the auction and everything is going to be for such a great cause that I hope somebody gets them and will love them a little bit more than I do. You're doing a, a great thing, and I think it's to be applauded. And this week also, I think they're having another dog day at the, the ballpark, too. Tell me about uh, Kali and um, the, what it means to you and your wife, Madison. Oh, man. Holly is uh, a ball of energy. You know, she's three years old. We thought she'd she'd settle down and, you know, start being a little bit more of a chill dog, and she is not. Uh, I feel like she has more energy than ever. But for myself, I've always wanted a dog. When I was, God, I don't even know how old I was. I was real young. My uh, my neighbors bred a litter, and the dog, they had more puppies and they knew what they wanted with, so they put a sign out in front of the yard that said, free puppies. So my seven eight-year-old self walked down the street picked a puppy up and brought him home my parents worked a nine-to-five job so neither of my parents were home and I had a dog in the house for a few hours before they got home and they came home to a wailing puppy and I could not keep that dog secret very long and ended up having to take the puppy back home to to the original owners and mom and mom and dad but 
you know, as soon as I was old enough and to, to have a dog, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly incredible to go home and there's this little dog that loves you with every, every inch of its body and didn't care if you went 0 for 5 or 5 for 5. It's the happiest thing in the world to come see you. So uh, it's a nice little bright spot in my day for sure. You've got two people, two individuals who love you very much, your wife Madison and your dog too, and I'm guessing in different ways they both help you with an 0 for 5 or a 5 for 5 day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, having a dog and everything is great. You know, they're, they're always going to be happy to see you and, you know, be the first one to lick you in the face or do whatever. But um, no, not enough can be said for what Madison does for me, uh, especially off the field. You know, she's – I give her a lot of hard, you know – I give her a lot of crap a lot of times. You know, she likes to shop, she likes clothes and stuff like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, she's there for me. And, you know, she really wants to see me succeed. She's 100% in my corner. And, you know, there's nothing that would make her falter in that. And, you know, it's it's really something to be said. You know, it's not an easy lifestyle to, to be in. And, you know, she's handled it about as well as anybody. Are you still the taste tester for Sweet and Loud Bakery? Or what's the deal there? I, I do not get to taste quite as much as I used to. Um, she's gotten very good at... You know, making the right amount of cookies, not needing a buffer zone if she messes a cookie up and whatnot. You know, she, uh, I don't know how she does it. Honestly, she sees these designs in her head and, you know, finds something online or whatnot and, you know, can put it on a cookie in, in a few hours. It's, a, it's very impressive, but, you know, I don't, I don't get nearly as many cookies as I used to. Favorite? Uh, honestly, my favorite's her cake. Uh, she makes an Oreo cake and... You know, if people see it, they might try to call it like a cookies and cream cake, but it is uh, Oreos dunked in milk cake. To Honestly, it tastes exactly like if you dunked Oreos in milk. Is that your guilty pleasure, or is it your... You, you We talked, I think, on Pete Fairbanks' podcast about your, your becoming a connoisseur of, uh, what, whiskeys and... Uh, yeah, bourbon. Bourbon. Yeah, um, if I'd had a choice, I'd have both. You know, there, there'd be uh, a cake in the kitchen, and I could go and, you know, grab my favorite bottle of bourbon, and... Um, no, I, honestly, it's it's. I thought it was extremely interesting to see the process, see all the hard work behind it, and then seeing that these people just, you know, they, they make this mash, they make the the bourbon, and they or they make the whiskey, they put it in the barrel, and they walk away from it for yeah you know, eight years, nine years before you know some of these, and that's a younger bottle mm, that gets to come out, and people are. You know, it has to meet certain requirements. It has to meet all this other stuff for them to even try to bottle it. It's, it's a seriously, it's a intricate and interesting process to me. And uh, hopefully, when I'm done playing, I can get up to a distillery and make a make a barrel, or you know, here pretty soon. That would be a dream of mine. But you know, it's it's a dream right now. And obviously, you're enjoying the dream right here. And you've become one of the better players, not only in this team but in the league. You still carry a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, though. I know how great. You know, how hard do you work at this game? Chip on your shoulder is an interesting kind of way to, to go about it. I think that's it's a very, I don't want to say it's like a generic way of saying it, but like nobody's done me wrong. I'm not coming out trying to prove anybody wrong. It's just, you know, this is, this is what the game is. If you don't have that competitive factor, if you don't have the, the FU attitude that I'm going to be better like, I'm going to work my tail off. I'm going to do – I'm going to go the extra mile so you don't beat me kind of mentality. It's uh, – it, it seems like you're not going to succeed very very much in this game. And I kind of wake up like that every day. You know, I'm not going to 
let somebody outwork me today. I'm going to go out and I'm going to give it my all and, you know, I'm going to leave it all on the field that day. So two things on that end. One, how does the youngster motivate you and wander? And how, what have you learned from him? I mean, it, it's that's, that's where it kind of gets difficult because, you know, I'm not going to be – I'm not the player that Wander is. You know, I'm not going to go out and make contact 95% of the time. Uh, you know, it's a special kind of player to, to go up like that. But, you know, I believe that hopefully at the end of the day I'll hit more homers in them. And, and you know, that's kind of the thing is, you know, when, when you get up here you understand what kind of player you are. I'm not going to go up there and, you know, try to make contact. I'm up there trying to do damage and, you know, swing and misses are going to happen. When, when you're sticking to that plan and when you're when you're up there trying to hurt a baseball. And um, it's just something that I've learned over the years. I'm not going to try to be a player that I'm not. And But, you know, watching him every day, it's, it is very impressive to see what he can do. Um, simple adjustments that he makes on, on a dime to, to change out the, the outcome of an at-bat. It's pretty impressive to watch him work. And, and what have you learned from Justin? Because we started this conversation with – mental health and he's been a big help to so many players i'm curious if he's helped you and if so how honestly i have not sat down with him too often about the mental health aspect of of everything but you know it's it doesn't have to be you know what i'm struggling with something can you can you talk to me it's hey i don't understand you know what's going on in the world with this or i don't understand how how to handle this situation that's in the public eye right now like I'm conflicted about this, and it, it, it's really a, a broad range of things that you can really talk to him about. And he's honestly there. He's gonna, he's a, he's another wall for you to bounce ideas off of. And it's, it doesn't have to be a, a one little thing that is very specific to what he is, you know, hired for. He is kind of there for everything. And if you need to talk, he's there. Uh, it's great to hear, and great to have a conversation with you about this. And so much more. Here's to a terrific May and rest of the season in Mental Health Awareness Month. Brandon Lau, we appreciate some time on This Week in Rays Baseball. Yeah, absolutely. That's Brandon Lau. We'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Joining me now to discuss the week gone by, Doug Wechter of Bally Sports Sun. Doug, appreciate you joining us. Of course, Neil. How can I ever say no to you, buddy? Thank you, my friend. A 4-2 and two week, but boy, it's been an eventful week, uh, beginning with the fact that the Rays have half their staff missing right now, at least among the coaches, due to COVID issues. Yeah, very tough to go out there and coach like that. And this is a situation you almost never deal with uh, as a staff, right? This is something that they're not used to. Uh, but unfortunately that's the situation they're in, you know, COVID has thrown them a curveball, and Kevin cash is just trying to manage through that. Uh, and this is a staff, as you know, Neil, that is very fluid and everybody knows their roles. And when everybody is in there and, and doing their thing, it's, it's, you know, a highly functional staff. Um, and to be able to go out there and have to deal with multiple guys missing from that staff, it is, Something that uh, is a little bit frustrating to Kevin, but you know that they're going to be able to get through it, and hopefully those guys will be healthy 
and uh, joining them on the road trip here soon. Put your player hat on. Is it more challenging for Kevin, or is it more challenging, do you think, for a player who all of a sudden may have lost a pitching coach or their bullpen coach in the case right now of Kyle Snyder and Stan Borowski or a catching coach like Paul Hoover? Honestly, that's an awesome question because, you know, you never put yourselves really in the situation of the player. I I immediately started thinking about Kevin and how he's going to fill those voids because everybody has specific roles on game days. You know, with, with Quattrero, you know, Kevin has this relationship where he can go to him. He knows what Matt Quattrero is looking for on the bench side of things, and he knows that he'll have ideas for him to bounce off. Um, he's not going to be there now. You know, Kyle Snyder, he knows when Kyle Snyder is going to be going out for the mountain visits. That's going to be a little bit different with Rick. And so I think it's going to be a little bit – I wouldn't say difficult. It's going to be different with uh, Kevin Cash just knowing that he has different guys filling those roles uh, because those guys are highly skilled. It's not that they can't do it. It's just a different role for them, and they're going to have to do it mid-season or early in the season. Uh, so my, my thought would be it's a little more, I guess you could say, challenging, uh, if you want to use that term for Kevin, than it is for the players. But, again, those players have a comfort factor in these coaches. Mm-hmm. They, they trust what these coaches are seeing. And it's very important if they're going through slumps or if they're going through key situations in the game that they're able to go and talk to a coach and help walk through you know, a certain situation and what they need to look for. So it, it's a challenge altogether, but it's something that the Rays are prepared for and they can handle. Yeah, you may hear the same message, but it could be delivered slightly differently, and that does make a difference. But some guys who are really evolving in a good way, regardless of how the message is sent, Shane McClanahan and also Drew Rasmussen this week with his six shutout innings. Boy, I- I'm telling you, man, both those guys are going to be so much fun to watch going forward. Shane McClanahan, you know, with the amount of whiffs that he created – last outing, and his ability to get the swing and miss right now is better than I've ever seen it. You know, he had 11 punch-outs on his last outing, and six of them came on the curveball, three of them on the change-up, and three of them on the slider. So this is a guy who bumps 95 to 100 miles an hour from the left side, and he didn't get one strikeout from that from that heater, which means that he's going out there, he's maturing at a level that um, is a lot quicker than I anticipated, and he is definitely going to be a frontline starter for a long time coming. And then you go over, and it's a lot of the same stuff when you talk about Rasmussen. I mean, this guy picked up a slider in the offseason that has been so dominant. You know, the one thing that if you want to critique him would be the swing and miss last year. He didn't get a lot of swing and miss. And he went out there last outing and had, I think it was around 18 swing and misses, 16 to 18 swing and misses. Either way, it was the highest amount that he has ever had in an outing. So, for him to go out there and generate that much swing and miss and be able to get the strikeouts that he did, um, th- these are really, really good signs moving forward. Speaking of, the Rays very well could get Ryan Yarbrough back this week. How important is he? It's huge. I mean, Yarbrough has been a big part of this staff and this team in general over the last few years. Um, this team prides themselves on versatility and Ryan Yarbrough is right at the top of that list he can go out there he can open a game he can come in bulk relief he can go into any situation he has been in any situation uh in in that bullpen and on that staff so he's a guy who is critical to have healthy and out there on the mound for the Tampa Bay Rays and it'll be exciting if he can go out there and start some games for the team I know he was slated as a starter going into the season so um, you know, if that's the role we see him in, it'll be nice to have somebody that, you know, Cash knows what he's going to get out of him. So 
Yeah, it's a really good sign for Yarborough getting healthy, and not just Yarborough, a lot of these guys getting healthy. I mean, I saw Shane Boz throw a bullpen yesterday, and, you know, he looked fantastic. So he's on the mend. So just good things coming here for uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Doug, uh, less than a minute, 12-9, uh, and nine, considering all the issues this group has had. What's your take? It's where we need to be. You know, good teams play around 500 when they're slumping, and I don't think the Rays have hit their stride yet. So we're going to see them hit their stride, and, you know, if that's going to be in the next couple of weeks, then it'll be a lot of fun to watch this team because this is still one of the most talented Rays teams I've ever seen put together. Good stuff, Doug. Have a good call today. We appreciate some time uh, on This Week in Rays Baseball. Anytime, Neil. Thanks, buddy. Well, we continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and time to take a look at things on the minor league side. And joining us right now, uh, an individual has had an amazing recovery um, and had a terrific moment last week. I'm talking about Tyler Zombro. Uh, Tyler, great to have you on the program. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks, Neil. I appreciate you having me. Can you put in context what that first game last weekend meant against the Norfolk Tides? I mean, it's 10 months after you're hitting the head by a line drive and you're pitching in a game that counts again. Yeah, I think it was uh, it was really a full circle moment. Obviously, getting back to spring training, throwing against live hitters again was certainly a big step. But then to go a step further and be in a game against the team that I was hurt against was certainly a a unique experience that that provided a lot of emotion but I think it it put a pretty good stamp on the comeback uh, and certainly was an emotional and and happy day for a lot of people involved. What was touching to me seeing it from afar was the ovation that you got from the fans and from both teams and this is a game in Virginia. Now I know you went to George Mason so it's not probably too far from home so to speak but that that was pretty amazing to me. How did it feel for you? Yeah it was it was awesome. I think, you know, even the first day I was in Norfolk, uh, a lot of guys on that team were going out of their way to to say what's up, how good it was to see me, how excited they were that I was back on the field, you know, outside of Brett Cumberland, uh, like Tyler Nevin, Newstrom, a lot of those guys who, of course, I've, I've seen a lot in Norfolk last year and then as well as spring training for the Orioles and one of the teams that we play a lot. So it was great to, you know, have that welcome back. Being in Virginia, my family was able to make it down a lot. And of course I had my wife Mariah there with me too. So all in all it was a it was a really great week for me. Was it at all difficult to keep it together after the ovation from both teams coming out of the, you know, out of their dugouts and then the fans as well? And and how were you able to keep focus and concentration thereafter in that first outing? Yeah, I think there was there was a lot of emotion there behind the mound prior to starting that inning. You know, once you once you throw the first pitch of, of any outing, you're immediately locked in after that. But definitely a, a ton of emotion just to, again, to kind of put a stamp on the journey to know Everything that, of course, you know, wife, family, friends, teammates, the staff here in Durham, our front office, all that they had been through to kind of complete that journey and and give them a new perspective on where I'm at after how we saw things 10, 11 months ago. So that was special. But, you know, after the first pitch there, I was a bit emotional, but after that was able to, to lock it in and focus. And after the outing, were you able to catch eyes with Mariah or your parents or anyone else? And what did it mean to them? I wasn't able to immediately, uh, obviously after the game, you know, they were thrilled. Um, I think it was, you know, again, just a, a moment of, of clarity and kind of crossing the finish line, so to speak. And, you know, I know 
there are certainly a lot of nerves throughout this journey to be back on the field. So to complete it in, in that fashion and have them there, you know, certainly a, a happy moment for all of us. You know, you've been through so much on the physical side in terms of the rehab. I know you don't remember what happened from getting struck by that line drive, but have has anyone been really helpful and supportive on the mental side because that's such a big part of the game of baseball? Yeah, I would say, you know, Vince Lodato has been great, especially early on there, checking in with us. And then really in, in terms of the rehab I can't speak enough to that group that was here in Durham last year. You know, like Brent Honeywell is is coming over to the apartment and he's he's getting fired up that, you know, I test out of occupational therapy. Brett Sullivan checking in every day, Walsey, Phoenix Sanders, uh, you know, Padlo, obviously the staff here with Nappy, Brady, all those guys were just so supportive. And then from afar on the rehab side in the big leagues, you know, Poche has been an amazing friend throughout uh, glass checking in, you know, a lot of those guys to motivate me there early on. And obviously that's a rehab scenario where you're, you're trying to take very small steps early on, but to have that support network with that certainly made a huge difference. And, and ultimately where it's kind of the building blocks to get me, get me back to normal. Were there any special texts that you got over the weekend or during the week that were especially touching or any phone calls or messages that stood out in the, since that first appearance? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people internally in our organization, you know, it, it meant a lot. I uh, heard from Cashy, Eric, uh, the scout, Lou Weben that signed me, you know, a lot of people who were just uh, applauding my efforts, uh, Chuck Ritchie, another one, you know, kind of highlighting the fact of you know, the non-drafted free agent, how far I had kind of come from that. And then, of course, to have this incident happen and then to get back from that again, kind of just applauding me on that and, and making the most of the journey. I would say those were the most moving messages. Um, and, and those are all people who have obviously believed in me for a long time. So I certainly appreciated that. And then, of course, you know, teammates uh, slash opponents from from all over the country reaching out certainly meant a lot. Your goal, though, still is to get to the big leagues. How close do you feel to normal in terms of your stuff, your velocity after having that time off? I know the Rays gave you some additional time before they activated you in Durham. Yeah, I feel pretty good. You know, the the big thing now, I think we we kind of had to, to hurry here to get ramped up, to get competitive, to be in a game situation, to get in season. And now it's just, you know, optimize the developmental path. So making sure that I can continue to build on what I would have during a normal season to get the velocity to where it needs to be. Thankfully, you know, with the training staff um, always being super accommodating, helping with that, there are bumps and kinks that, you know, I'll, I'll work through, but very confident that, you know, with the staff we have here, I'll be able to do that. But it is nice to be able to shift my focus from, you know, get back on the field. We check that box. Now it's it's certainly back to performance, which is nice. And then we'll we're gonna continue to to push along in all those aspects of development and performance that we can. Because as as much as the story is your your comeback, Tyler, you know, it was only a few years ago that you were reliever of the year in the organization. And the goal, I'm sure for you, especially coming back, is still to appear in the big leagues for the first time, correct? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think I've I've done a lot, maybe some might even say a little too much to get back uh, on the timeline that I did. But, you know, now I do kind of have a 
timeline slash outline here of getting myself back to normal in terms of that performance side. So, you know, checking on the velocity, checking on the stuff to make sure I can get to where I need to be. Um, There are still definitely a few things there that I'm looking to solve. But of course, you know, this is this is a, a unique experience for all of us because, you know, you don't know if velocity is down just because of maybe you haven't thrown as much. Um, of course, being back in games for the first time, it's kind of like, you know, I, I've never really thought about it too much like this, but really it's like a, a TJ rehab scenario or another kind of major surgery because there for, you know, three to four months, I'm essentially doing nothing. So I'm building kind of from scratch, which normally you know, that timeline pushes you to be oftentimes a year out from, from whenever a setback happens. So just going to try to, to best figure out that as best as possible. And then, yeah, like you said, get to the performance level that I know I should be at, that I should be working at and, and get to the big leagues. And how much does your experience with analytics and currently tread athletics help you with that in trying to find that? It helps a ton. It helps me be very transparent, open, and have a, a a great conversation with our front office. You know, it's it's one of those things from our internal evaluation process that I can I can look at myself in the mirror, which is great. Um, and you know, now I'm kind of approaching that step of saying, okay, what boxes do I now need to check to get to the big leagues? And of course, myself having the knowledge of data and analytics, as well as having a little bit of that pre-med background to figure out some things physically will help a ton. So, you know, we can kind of provide that roadmap here. And then, you know, again, I don't, I don't want to press a timeline too hard on myself, but allowing that window for me to get to my peak physical performance uh, will be great. Well, I know the baseball world and especially the race world is rooting for you, Tyler. We appreciate some time on this week in race baseball and hope for some great milestones for you ahead. Thanks, Neil. I appreciate it. That is Tyler Zombro. Great stuff from him. Coming up on this week in Rays Baseball, we'll remember the late Rays bullpen catcher, Gene Ramirez. This is the start of May and also Mental Health Awareness Month. And, of course, he passed during the course of the lockout from death by suicide. We chat with his mom, Tony, and his dad, Carlos, and are so appreciative of their time. Plus, we're going to hear from the Rays' Manny Navarro. You are listening to This Week in Rays Baseball, and this is the Rays Baseball Network. Well, thanks for joining us as we continue on This Week in Rays Baseball. And today, the Rays are honoring the late Gene Ramirez on the field on the start of Mental Health Awareness Month. And I'm so pleased that we could have his parents, Tony and Carlos, with us. First of all, we so appreciate your time. Tell me what you want people to know most about Gene. First of all, thank you for having us here and for highlighting our son. He had a beautiful life. We're excited to be here. Um, One of the main things that made him so special to so many people was his kindness. We have to be so careful with what we say to people, the way we treat people, because we don't know their struggles. We don't know what kind of day they're having, and our words can make him or break him. So it's super important for us to just carry on his legacy of kindness and uh, being empathetic with other people. I think I think it's 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 the stigma that that we talk about. It's uh, you know the fear of looking for help. Uh, it's it's one of the things. Whether it's going to be economic issues, uh, uh, language barriers, uh, I mean multiple so far relationships, uh, all that you know. It's you know that stigma. You know just just our message to the people out there is: if you need help, 
get the help. You know, there's plenty of help out there. There's a lot of people that is going to are willing to help you, and 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 if if you do that, you're going to be okay. You know, that's just like we said. You know, and 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 we possibly made that as a slogan. You know, suffering in silence is is not okay. And I think it's so wonderful that you guys have turned such a challenging event into such a, a positive too. Tell me what his race, this race family, meant to him, and what was special about this group to him. Uh, the race organization to him was a blessing. Uh, he he loved being a baseball player since he was uh, at a young age, and being able to be in the major leagues and to be so loved and accepted and uh, felt special. Uh, around them, I think that's like the biggest thing. They, he loved them, and they loved him back. So he, they were amazingly special to him. Yeah, I don't think there's any words to describe, but but I think they, it was just nothing but love. You know, he felt loved here. He felt happy. This is this was his happy place. And this weekend and throughout this month, they're honoring, they're wearing his number 98 today. What does that mean to you guys as a family to see what the Rays are doing in Gene's memory? Um, we are so humbled and grateful that they um, have, um, you know, team up with us to raise awareness for mental health. And, and for them to just take his number and make it special and all of that stuff, we, we are beyond grateful. We're really humbled that, you know, he meant so much to him, you know, to them, and the, he's, um, he's special, and they are so willing to help us carry his legacy. And just not not honoring him, but also just raising the awareness. That's that's what we want. That's that's the main goal, raising the awareness uh, uh, of mental health. That's that's a plus, uh, plus a plus for us, of course. We want to see them getting involved as well as as well as the organization and and they're doing a great job so far on doing that and and, and we appreciate that a lot he was so many things to so many people did you was he always an artist because obviously people the brandon Lau's wearing his cleats here on this sunday yes he was uh he was an artist he loved drawing and coloring he loved music he was he was very artistic his hobby started uh, probably back in october of last year we didn't know about it until he told us and uh you know the same way that he was very meticulous about his drawings and stuff like that um with the shoes like his uh, designs and everything they, they were pretty cool they were pretty cool I, I think he's always been an artist you know he's uh ever since he was little it's uh you know he liked to draw uh, of course you know I, and as a matter of fact we have a drawing uh at home that i i think when he was growing up you know he always liked you know Drake, you know the the the, the musician and the singer, and uh, and uh, he had a drawing of Drake that it was it was unreal, uh, and we still keep that to to ourselves, right? But he always liked to draw. Uh, uh, he always liked music. Uh, drawing kind of faded back a little bit just because of baseball, but then it seemed like you know this past year, like you know a couple of years ago, you know he started raising interest again into into drawing, and that, I think that's kind of triggered what. What, what he was doing lately with, you know, trying to, trying to uh, uh, design the shoes for the, for the players and all that. He really loved that. Both of his loves came together at once. And, and, you know, the race for his family and obviously your family all being together this weekend. What does it mean to be able to do something like that and honor Gene all together here at the ballpark? I think the race are a very special organization. And I think that's what God wanted Gene to be here. 
because he he had big plans that you know it sometimes it's hard to comprehend what it's um, you know what we cannot see but I think um, they are a great organization and I think they're going to be able to show other uh, baseball organizations the way it's done the way that you take care of your people the way that you raise mental health awareness the way that you team up just to make your community better believe it or not you know there's there's some family coming that that we probably haven't seen in years uh, we just want to show them you know how much he was loved here but also within our family raising that mental health awareness as well you know which is which is the main thing for us but we want to show our our rest of the family. Some some families never been here before. Uh, they never seen. Uh, as a matter of fact, they never seen Tropicana Field before, uh, and, and we're just glad to have them here. Mm -hmm. As a as a family or as a father of two, you guys have shown amazing strength through all this. You went and spoke to the minor league players in March. What led to that, and why did you want to? Why was that important for you? Um, Jesus. God, it's guiding us every step of the way. Every day, um, he's with us. He has given us the strength. Um, he has given us the wisdom to say um, the right things, to be able to, yes, go through our grief, but at the same time to uh, rely on the hope that we're going to be able to see Jean again and that our mission here on earth is not done. So we have to just be the best that we can be, and uh, we just want to make sure that many lives, you know, are are saved, um, and that you know many of these people that are struggling, they they see us as an inspiration to uh, be able to get help and have a beautiful, productive life. My part is it's uh, you know, and I think the idea of talking to the minor leaguers was. Again, raising the awareness, but at the same time, you have younger people playing in the minors. You know, those those guys are coming up, you know, throughout the ranks. And, and what better way to teach them at an earlier age, you know, what the, what could they be facing? You know, what are what are consequences? You know, what are uh, what are the uh, the uh, challenges that we'll face? All that, and I, and I think if we can get that at the at, at a younger age. And, and the race did a great job on on arranging that, you know, for us talking, you know, talking about as far as the uh, the parents' perspective, uh, and and they can hear that, you know, maybe we can change somebody's life. Yes. And I would guess that's what the mission in all of this is to hopefully. What what is a message that you want to get out maybe to parents um, who may be listening to, who may be worried about their own child. Uh, first of all, don't be afraid to get help. Uh, it doesn't matter what people might think because you might be uh, the reason why someone else uh, reaches out and gets help. Um, sometimes we are so worried about what people think about us and what they will say if we address a mental health issue that we forget that we need to take care of our, of our loved ones, that we need to seek help and no matter you know what what other people think. We need to be supportive. And uh, for the parents that have lost their children, um, especially to suicide, um, our heart is with you. Uh, you are in our prayers. And, you know, just know that God has a better purpose. And, um, you know, in time, you'll be able to rejoin them. So, Is there a story that you guys want to share just about Gene and who he, 
so our fans know what kind of person he was, some sort of fun story that takes you back and when you think about him in the most positive ways. Well, as far as uh, as far as baseball is concerned, I and I and I have one as far as baseball. It's a uh, you know the day that he he got drafted by the Rays. I was in in Phoenix with with my younger son Anthony, and uh, he was in Fort Worth, Texas. When, of course, you know he graduated. He had graduated from Illinois State, so he went back to Fort Worth, and, and he was with Tony. And and uh, the day he got drafted, it's a uh, he gets picked. He's trying to call me. I'm in the middle of the game. I had to get out of the game and. And Anthony got out of the game, and uh, and uh, even his uh, high school coach was there. He got out of the game as well, and and all, all three of us started crying. And we we tried to we were trying to do a, a Zoom call. We couldn't Zoom call never came through, and uh, so we were really bummed about it. We couldn't get a signal. So he sent me a text back, and he goes, "Hey, uh, uh, I really wanted to do the Zoom call." <laughs> And then I says, hey, sorry, can we do it tomorrow? <laughs> or, or the next day, I says, well, you know, the uh, the scout on the area here in Fort Worth is coming over because, you know, he was already in, in Fort Worth. Well, the scout from, 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 from the area, Fort Worth area, went over and, and brought the contract in, and that's when we did the uh, the Zoom call. And you can tell on his face, you know, the the, uh, the happiness that he had. and It, it was just unreal, unreal, uh, you know, same thing that, you know, when he got the job at, uh, at uh, and I, I was telling Miss Trisha earlier, but uh, when he got the job with the uh, with the Rays, you know, the uh, the bullpen catching job. So he was with Cleveland as a uh, they hired him as a as a catching instructor, and I think he was loaded to go to Dominican Republic. But the camp he was working at camp in Phoenix, and the players were at the camp from Monday through Friday, and then they were off on Saturday and Sunday. Well. On Saturday and Sunday, the race came in. They came in on Saturday. Well, there was nobody there, so all the coaches, they were looking for somebody to throw batting practice because the race wanted, wanted to see them throwing batting practice. Well, all the coaches grabbed a bat, and they say that it was it was a good batting practice, but I don't think the coaches could. <laughs> they were no good hitters at all. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. But, uh, Do you have one, Tony? Um I have talked to a lot of people, and he always said, I'm, I'm not, like, the greatest cook, but whatever I cook for him, he loved. Because he has said, oh, my God, my, my mom's food was the best. So I am proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's great that he always made mom proud. Tell me, uh, as we close this, the Rays work with the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay. I'm sure there's a charity that you guys have. Where do you want people to, if, if they're concerned, where they want to help in some way, how can they go about doing that? Because I think that's important not only to help their own, but to help others right now too. Well, there's two organizations that were very dear to him. It was the Keeper of the Game, uh, which is um, uh, for children that have um, these capacities, and uh, the mental, the Crisis Center, the Tampa Bay Crisis Center, um, and and also have you know partner. And we want to help them raise uh, money and raise awareness here in the community of, of St. Pete and uh, Tampa. So. Um, anything like that um, we're going to be doing a walk I think it's in October here so we're I'm going to be doing uh, mental health awareness walks you know throughout the United States and just you know trying to get people to listen well it's wonderful what both of you are doing your entire family is doing we hope this is a great start to a wonderful month to raise awareness and to hopefully 
raise a lot of funds to help a lot of other families in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us here. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. And that is Tony and Carlos Ramirez, such a very strong family and so appreciative that they uh, were willing to sit down. And in Gene Ramirez's Ray's family, there were none closer than Manny Navarro, who's a translator and works on the field, too, throwing batting practice and the like. And I asked Manny what made Gene so special. Gene, he he portrayed positivity to a lot of people. I'm sure you've talked to a lot of the pitchers and what he provided inside the bullpen for all those guys, but... Um, I got to spend a lot of time with him off the field. You know, we got to hang out quite a bit. We live pretty close to each other. And, and so we got to spend a lot of time together. He's he's a very interesting person in, in a very positive way. How did you really get to know him? Because was it the pandemic that really drew you guys closer together? Uh, yeah, no, his first year was 2019. And with any job I've ever had, there's someone new. And he was the new, he was a new bullpen catcher. So, you know, I made my way in introducing myself to him. Um, obviously, we had a good year. We made the playoffs that year. And so we, we kind of bonded with that. And then, yeah, I'd say the, the pandemic, the, the following season, like I said, we lived close to each other. We get to hang out quite a bit. You know, I went over to his house. He came over to mine a couple of times and we attempted to play golf against with each other, but we just showed up for the most part. Who was the better golfer? And did you uh, tease each other? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes a little too much. Sometimes he'd get on me thinking, well, I don't even know what to do to make an adjustment. But we're about the same, both pretty bad. Tell me what you know. most people didn't know until later in the year that he was an artist. Were you well aware of that all the way along? And how talented was he? He had mentioned it a couple of times, the few times we hung out, that he was thinking about painting shoes. I was like, oh, you know, you do anything else. Like, that seems pretty cool. And I ended up going over to his house and he had, I don't know, some charcoal paintings he had done, portraits. And he just grabbed a picture of maybe a celebrity or an athlete and he just, he would just draw it. And I went over and I was pleasantly surprised the first time I saw it and I had no idea. And obviously it kind of became the hit in the clubhouse, right? I mean, so many guys he touched over the year. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think it brought a little uniqueness to, to the player. Uh, when you know you have one a pair of shoes that's only one out there, and the fact that a teammate and, and a coworker or a friend did it, I think that just is, even makes it more special. You were with him on a day by day basis, Manny. Tell me what it meant to you to see the way the organization has recognized and honored Gene in spring training, and now here this weekend and throughout the month of May coming. Uh, they really do let everyone know who's around. You know, they, you know, everybody's important. It's not just about one person or just, just simply the players on, on the team, but you know, everyone that's involved within the organization, um, they've done a good job to, to help anyone who may be dealing with something similar, whether it's with themselves or someone else. And, and they, you know, really open their arms to, to making it a point to, to be special in this organization. A bullpen catcher is someone who generally has to give or gives a lot of himself to others. What would, what do you think Gene would say about all the positive attention to who he is and what he's about right now? I'd say he probably doesn't think he deserves it. You know, he just thinks I'm just doing my thing. You know, I've always just, uh, you know, when he played, I heard he just kind of went about his business, did what he needed to do. And I witnessed him as as an employee, as a bullpen catcher. That's exactly what he did then as well. He would just go to work, show up, help out where he needed to help out, do what he needed to do for, for the pitchers and anyone else. And he did it with a smile on his face. What Tell me what it means to the baseball family 
in there because I'm sure the last several months, you know, and, and a lot of this can be difficult, but it also can bring a group closer together. How supportive has this group been of one another through all this? Oh, in- incredible, incredible. You know, not the, you mentioned the baseball world, not just our team, but just other players from other organizations that have ever reached out that, you know, whether knew him or not, you know, I had players that, you know, they, they saw an Instagram post of, that I posted about him and they knew that, Man, he must have been close friends with him just simply because I posted about him. They didn't know who he was or anything, but they knew that he he was an important person. As you remember back, I'm sure you have some really fun or good stories about Gene. Is there maybe one or two that you'd just like to share with Ray's fans that would really indicate who Gene is and was? I think the fact that we, you know, we made the playoffs together, you know, numerous times and and we we would also we would always call ourselves the the, the people in the back, the little the little people, you know, the bullpen catchers and the BP throwers, you know, so we, they might not see us all the time, but you know, we were just thankful that we were letting us be a part of it. You know, we were just thankful that, you know, we were both there and we both loved that the other person was there and involved together at the same time. It was awesome. What does that mean to you to see this team here on Sunday, May 1st, wear the number 98 jersey all together? Uh, again, it just symbolizes that everybody's important, that everybody means something to this organization and, and what Gene did. You know, everything is accomplishments as a player and, and as a staff member. Um, you know, you hope it, it shines light on a lot of people and, and opens their eyes that you, know, you can do anything you want in this world. And I think he accomplished quite a bit, and I'm glad that he's getting recognized for it. Well, just like uh, he was, you were a very loyal friend or a loyal teammate, and we appreciate you sharing your stories about Gene and what he meant. Of course. No, again, thanks for having me, and, and rest in peace, Gene. And that is Manny Navarro, and we certainly thank him for sharing stories about one Gene Ramirez. It will be an emotional day at the ballpark with a moment of silence coming up at about 12.57 today. The race also will host an online auction that will include the number 98 Ramirez jerseys worn by players and a pair of cleats designed by Ramirez and worn by Brandon Lau during the March 25th spring game. And you can find out more at racebaseball.com slash auctions. We certainly appreciate the time of one Manny Navarro on the program today, as well as each of our guests, Brandon Lau, for discussing his Home Runs for Hope program and his involvement with the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay, Doug Wechter of Valley Sports Sun, as well as Tyler Zombro and his amazing comeback. In addition to, of course, Tony and Carlos Ramirez for sharing stories about their son, Gene, and really putting in context what has gone on with that family. Such So strong, so courageous. Next week, it will be a Mother's Day edition of the show with Drew Rasmussen and a whole lot more. Special thanks today to my producer, Derek Dubose. If you ever have something you want on the show, tweet me at Neil Solons. Thanks for being with us. You are listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, in the right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front, four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. With first and second, the one-two pitch. Swing and a miss! He struck him out! Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next.